Nehemiah chapter number 8. This is probably one of the very few times I have preached from the same book this close together. I preached on last week from the book of Nehemiah. And so I, Lord, turned my attention back to it tonight. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 1 of Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. They spoke, spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. Beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema, and Aniah and Urijah and Hilda and Messiah on his right hand, on his left hand, Padiah and Meshiel and Micaiah and Hashem and Hashbadanah and Zechariah and Meshulam. Next time y'all can try to do better. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah and Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Masiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jezebed, Hanan, Pela, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. The people stood in their place, so they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Last week I preached, every person has a place. Tonight I want to preach a place for his word. A place for his word. Lord bless you as you're seated. Thank you for that standing for that lengthy, complex reading. Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. As long as there's been a God, which is before time and after time, there's been a Word. Because they're one and the same. Thy word, O Lord, endureth forever. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Why? Because God is the word. No, he is not paper pages. But everything in this book represents the totality of who God is. 
It's not for us to understand. It's not for us to comprehend or explain because we can't, we can't do any of the three. It's up to us to believe in this word. The word of the Lord endureth forever. I want you to know tonight that no man can improve upon the word. How, if, if we were to try to improve this word, then we would be putting ourselves in the place of God. Trying to say, God, you missed it in this area. You, 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 you need to, we need to tweak this and we need to do this to make this word fit. Listen to me. You don't make the word fit. You have to change your life to fit the word. We don't alter this to our likes and our dislikes. We change this and this to bring it into unity with this word and with this book. Here they are, Nehemiah chapter number 6. They finish the, the, the wall. They complete the rebuilding of the wall. They had worked. They had labored. Some were warriors and some were workers, but nonetheless, they were doing their part for the kingdom of God. And if you read in chapter 7, it lists all of the people. And they gave. You start reading what they gave. They, they were moved. The, the, the mission moved them so much that they opened up their wallets, if you could say that. And they began to give unto the kingdom of God. They began to give unto the work of the Lord. But don't you know that you can be a giver? You can be a worker, you can be a warrior, and still not be right with the Lord. Nehemiah understood we, ha we have worked, we have labored, we have gave, but there's something missing in this whole picture. Ezra, get the word of the Lord. Because the word has to have a place in our life. Listen to me. We can get so busy building that we stop believing. You can get so busy doing that you stop heeding and listening and and letting this word speak to your life. I'm thankful for the workers. I'm thankful for the warriors. I'm thankful for the givers. But listen to me, all of that is for naught. If you don't have a place for the word of God in your life. Hey friend, if we've ever needed the word, we need the word in this day and hour that we live. Bible says we are begotten by the word. It takes the word. We can move people with music. We can move people through emotion. We can create an atmosphere and, and all of that is in order. It, 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 it's biblical to have music and to sing on the Lord. But I have been in churches where they had a whole lot of beating of a drum. They had a whole lot of running. They had the spirit, and I love all of it. But they wouldn't sit and listen to the word. 
And we grow through the Word. You've got to have a balance of spirit and Word. There's not going to be many, many services go by that I call blowouts without having a Word. Because the sheep have to eat. And it takes this Word, making a place in our heart for the Word of God. I hate to break it to you, but a shout doesn't change you. I love it. I believe that we can, shouting helps lift our spirits and refocus our eyes and get our eyes off of our problem and on the promise, and, and there's a place for it. But that word is what's going to help you make it to heaven. That word is what's going to change your life if you'll do what this book says. Nehemiah said, Ezra, let's, 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 let's put it up on the screen if you can, Brother, uh, Brother Jeremy. Let's start with verse number one. We're going to kind of walk through it like we did last time. All the people gathered themselves together. They came together in a unified spirit that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe, Bring the book of the law of Moses. Now, you've got to remember all they had was what is known as the, the Torah or the Pentateuch. They had the first five books. They had the law. Because that was, if you want to know who God is, you read about what he likes and he doesn't like. And so even now, they can recite, they can they, almost verbatim the law, the Jewish people. And so they said the law basically is equivalent to us as the word of God. They said, bring that word. We need that word. And Ezra brought the, Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Now, now I'm a preacher. And I like that verse. Because you won't talk to me about having long church. Ezra got up and started in the morning. And he wasn't even preaching. He was reading. There's a difference in preaching and reading. We had a visiting preacher one time back in my home church. Well, our church, the, the boys sat here. Young girls sat there. And I was sitting where Brother Blake was sitting. And my pastor was sitting in front of me, and the guest preacher was sitting in front of him, or next to him. And it was a marriage-slash-family uh, series of services, seminar, whatever you want to call it. And the husband had the PowerPoint clicker. He was going to, his wife was, was ministering. He was going to follow along and change the slides to keep up with her. Well, anybody ever heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? It's a marriage book. She started reading the book from the pulpit. And after a while, when there is not an ebb and flow to preaching, up and down, up and down, People start tuning out. It starts sounding like, wah, 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 wah. 
don't get up here and start talking monotone because I'll be out. And I'm sitting on that second row thinking, this is the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. Of course, I wasn't married either. Just a teenager. People was married, ain't doing what the book says, so it don't matter. And all of a sudden, the slides started not matching what she was saying. And I looked up at the preacher, and he was passed smooth out on the front row. My pastor looked over, woke him up. He kind of got back to it and got everything in line. It wasn't too long later, passed smooth out again. And my pastor just let him sleep. The rest of his wife's message. There's a difference in preaching and reading. Ezra didn't get up there and preach like we know preaching. He got up there and started reading the law. Now, he didn't even read the New Testament. He read the boring stuff. But there was such a hunger in the heart of the people. They didn't care about what time it was. They weren't watching the clock. They wasn't worried about if Sonic's going to close early because they never operate according to their hours in Jonesville. Those are just suggestions. All they knew was I got to have this word in my life. I got to have this word in my heart. I got to make room for this word because we've been without this word for so long. I, this is my priority is this word. Listen to me. The word does not find a place in our hearts. We have to make a place for the word. You remember the story of Elisha and that Shunammite woman? She said, I told her husband, I perceive this is a man of God that keeps coming by. And let's make a little room for him. She made room for the man of God, which is saying she made room for God. And because she made room for God, the blessing came to her life in the form of an offspring, the desire of her heart. What does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do you seek God? You don't go out and find him. You get in that word and you make room for the word in your life. And God says, if you'll put me where I need to be in your life, I'll take care of everything else. So here they are. He read until midday. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They paid attention. There was such a desire to know that book that they were not wondering. They, they wanted to hear the word of the Lord. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. You want to know where we get a pulpit from? 
This is the only time in the Word of God that the word pulpit is ever mentioned. It came from when Jerusalem and they rebuilt the wall and they were in disarray and they were trying to get back in line from God with, with the things of God. They made a pulpit of wood that would raise that word up above the people. And it, what does the Bible say? The Bible said uh, in, the, in the book of Psalms uh, that he has manifested his word. He has exalted his word above his name. How could that even happen? Because I thought the name of Jesus was greater than everything. But listen, there will come a day when the whole purpose of sonship is over and the name of Jesus is no longer needed. And when that day comes, there's going to be one thing still standing and that's going to be the word of God. It's going to endure for all generations. It's going to endure for all of eternity. That's why he exalted his word above his name. Let me tell you what we got to do in this day and hour. We got to hold on to a word because the world is trying to get rid of everything that is moral and that is righteous. But there was an Ezra in the midst of that people that said, I'm still holding on to a word. I got a word that I can bring. Hey, friend, you can get rid of a lot of things in this life and it won't affect you one bit. But you better never let go of this book right here. In spite of everything, you better hold on to that word. The Bible says in the days of Samuel that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Not speaking necessarily of this book, because you got to remember this book was established line upon line, precept upon precept. It was dispensated, it was given over dispensations and over time. It was canonized, and that's how we get it in our hands. But the word in those days, there was no communication from God. And so when that word came to Samuel, Samuel, that calling, Samuel, he had no no, no, no standard or, or reference point to compare it to. Precious. It was rare. It was rare. Could it be that the abundance of Bibles in our life has caused this thing to lose its value in our life? Because we have it on our iPads. We have it on our phones. Most of us have it. If you have that type of phone, you probably have a Bible app. And I read the Bible on my phone. But let me tell you, there's nothing like holding that book. There's nothing like going through it and writing in it and weeping over it and praying through that book. I remember a missionary, in, 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 I believe it was Uganda, Brother Tolstad told the story. Of a, of, a, of, a, of a young man there that he had half of his Bible. He had ripped it in half. And he began to gently scold or chastise him about the importance of this book and the value of this book. How we need to cherish it. We need to keep it. We need to love it and honor it and reverence it. And he said, well, Brother, you 
you don't understand. There was, I believe he said it was a family member. It was somebody that he knew that had never seen, didn't have a Bible. And he said, I ripped mine in half so he could have half. And we swap. And I read half and he reads half. Listen to me, friend. God, help us lest we lose the, the significance of this word in our life. we got to hold on to this word. God, help me lest I stand next to that man at judgment who had only had half of the Bible at a time and he would pour over those pages. And here I've got probably six or seven in my office. Bibles at home. And you do too. Because it's so abundant. Listen to me. This is how I treat my Bible. I don't even put anything on top. Of my Bible. It goes on top of the iPad. It goes on top of the notebook. It goes on top of other books. We don't put anything on it because it's so precious and it's so valuable. And if I put this water on top of this, in my mind I'm saying this water is greater than this Bible. And there's nothing that is greater than this Bible in my life. we got to hold on. We've got to hold on. There was an Ezra that held on to a word. He was able to bring that Bible. He was able to bring that law. And Bible says in verse number 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, watch this, all the people stood up. Why do we stand for the reading of the word? Because we reverence the word of the Lord. There's something in that book. If I walked up here with any other book and I just opened it, it wouldn't move us. You want to know why? Because we weren't begotten by that book. Just like you honor your father and your mother. You honor your father, which is the Holy Ghost, the word. And you honor the mother, Jerusalem, the church. There's a, there's a reverence about it. And Ezra blessed the Lord and great the great God. All the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands. It sounds like a Pentecostal service. They worshiped. Amen, amen. They bowed their heads. And worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse number 8, so they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So we got to hold on to the word. But we also have to hear the word. Bible says it falls upon us to rightly divide the word. I first started preaching. I look back now and I laugh at some of the things that I just thought were mind-blowing. Maybe it was because they were blowing my mind. But you got to remember that preachers grow just like saints grow. I could tell you my first sermonette that I preached, I still got the notes because I, I keep, I'm sentimental. I'll tell you stories about everything I got. And 
I remember several times thinking that I had just this dynamic revelation from God that I just had to share with people. And I remember preaching what I thought would have been a masterpiece. And it sounded like crickets, and everybody just stared at me. And I'm just going, y'all aren't spiritual. Not y'all, I'm talking about when I was... Y'all missed it. Next time, stand up. It won't go over your heads. But the Lord began to deal with me as a young preacher. What good is a revelation if I can't break it down so distinct for even the person who's walking in a church for the first time for them to understand it? Distinctly. Declare that word with clarity. Put it in context. Don't, make, don't pull a scripture out to fit your thought. You make your thought fit scripture. And so I took it upon myself from that point forward. I want to be able, when I walk away from a pulpit, I want to be able to break it down with such simplicity that even a child could understand everything that I say. But listen, it's one thing for me to preach it, but how many times do we not hear what is being preached. Not only do we got to hold on to that word, we got to hear the word. Why is it so important, so important to hear the word? Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. How does hearing come? Hearing by the word. There is a direct connection between our ability to believe and this book right here. Because the more we get in this book, it, it sensitizes us. It makes us so sensitive to the voice of the Lord and the prompting of the Spirit that we start believing and we start moving with faith. But listen, it's not just that we have to hold it and hear it. But then we've got to heed it. Got to heed the Word. Verse number 14 and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem saying, go forth on the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches, palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth. There was somebody that held on to the word. Then they heard the word. And then they said, okay, we're going to heed the word. We're going to do what the word says to do. There will not be a person that can stand before the Lord and say, I didn't know. It's not going to be able to happen. I can't tell you how the person in the Amazon jungle is going to be able to say it, but it's going to, nobody, the Bible says that we will be without excuse. Listen to what this word does. 2 Timothy 3.16, if you could put it on the screen. It says, for the word of the Lord is profitable. All scripture, all scripture 
is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine. This is how we maintain our, our stance on the new birth, what I've been preaching on. And for oneness is we have a word that gives us clarity. But then for reproof. Reproof. Then, here's one we don't like, for correction. Hey, you know what this Bible says? It says open rebuke is better than secret love. That's the book. And there was a day when it was normal for to be called out. Now you start calling out, people get offended. I've watched my pastor call people out that were doing wrong and in a heartbeat, line them out. You know what it does? It makes everybody else do right. It'll line everybody else out because they go, well, if you'll call them out, he'll call me out for correction. But you know, there's a way to utilize this book through preaching. Where the word works on people's heart. And the word can show you areas that you need to improve. And the word is called, you ready? Conviction. We love inspiration. But how about those messages that bring us to our knees. And highlight the areas in our life that we need to work on. Conviction. And for instruction in righteousness. Stand with me right now. If we've ever, if we've ever, ever, ever needed to make room for that word in our life. Listen to me. The world is not getting brighter. It's not. People act surprised when the world starts going crazy. I don't act surprised. Okay, this is what the book says. The book tells us that perilous times are going to come. And the news media does not push a righteous agenda. We know that. Now there is a, there is a side that is, is more conservative. I'm not talking necessarily about politics. I'm talking about morality. But even that side has its flaws. None of them are directly in line with the book. Don't be surprised when the world's getting darker. God has given you a word. Musicians, you can come. God has given you something that will help you in the darkest of times. And let me say this. There's people who say, well, I don't, need, I don't need to go to church anywhere. I watch it online. I got my Bible. You're right. You're right. You do have your Bible. And you may watch it online, but we all found out that watching it in our pajamas, well, I never got to be in my pajamas. We didn't have a pajama Sunday up here. I was the one preaching. I had to get dressed every time there was a live stream. But you know it's not the same as being in a service where the Spirit of God is flowing and moving. Let me tell you, yeah, you may have several of these sitting at home. But you need a man of God that will preach this word. Because 
Our carnal nature, we'll skip over the parts we don't like. We'll just read Psalms the rest of our life. Make us feel good. But you've got to have an Ezra that will step up with that word. There's times that I preach and God knows it's the furthest thing that I want to preach. But I'm not called to preach what you want to hear. I'm called to preach the whole counsel of God. To preach the entirety of it's this book. And yes, I, there may be times that I've, I, I stumble along the way and, and maybe I don't have the greatest of understanding, but you hear my heart. My heart is that each and every one of us would make it to heaven and that we would live according to this word. Aren't you thankful for this word tonight?